welcome to the Psychology of Successful Women podcast, where we explore the mindset, behavior, and success strategies of high-achieving women. It's an inspirational show that helps ambitious women to maximize their performance from the inside out and thrive in the world of business. I'm your host, Shona Rowan, high-performance coach, inspirational speaker, and author of the book, The Psychology of Successful Women. On this month's episode of the Psychology Successful Women podcast, my guest is Kylie Newton, General Manager of Human Resources at Atco Australia. We had a great conversation about her career journey, all leading up to her current role as GM of Human Resources at Atco. She shared some of her personal tips and advice to help other people boost their success and achieve their career goals. She talked about how she bounces back from setbacks, builds resilience, and stays positive during times of change. And we also discussed her passion around diversity, equity, and inclusion, some of the things ATCO is doing in this space, and so much more. So Kylie, welcome to the Psychology of Successful Women podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Shona. I'm looking forward to it too. So to start off, perhaps you can tell us about your career journey, all leading up to your current role as General Manager of Human Resources at ATCO in Australia. Sure. So um, I've taken a bit of a sort of a twisty, turny path, not your standard sort of career progression. And I know a lot of people have taken lateral moves through their life. But when I left school, um, I really didn't have much of an idea of what I wanted to do. Yep. And so I went out and worked full-time for a Japanese trading company in an administrative role um, in my first year. And then um, very shortly thereafter, decided I'd go back to uni and do a Bachelor of Commerce, which was in marketing, of all things. Um, And that I did part-time because I was working full-time and I was very young and I was trying to fit my social life in too probably at the time. Um, And so inevitably that sort of dragged out and it ended up taking me about eight years to actually finish that that undergraduate study. Um, In the meantime, I had I met my husband, I had two children, we moved into state, I studied remotely wow. for a period of time. Yeah. And when we came back to Perth and the boys were by that stage a little bit older, I wasn't terribly good, I will admit, at being the stay-at-home mum. <laughs> um, as much as I loved it when they were really little, once they got much more active and, um, mm. and you know, wanted more from me, I struggled with the lack of adult engagement, I really did. So I said to my husband, I think I'm going to go back to work. I was very, I had literally, I think I had a term left to finish on my um, degree or I might have even just finished it and um, saw an opportunity to work for Halliburton, the engineering firm. Um, They were looking for a part-time temp and I just went for the administrative role while I was going to start looking for my marketing job. And um, when I went in for that interview, they said, we don't think you're suitable for the job you've applied for, but we'd really love you to come and help us with some work that we have to do in the HR team. Mm. And so that was my very first exposure. And I think, you know, you know, you you talk about me just sort of rolling with the punches a bit and I'm a, bit, I'm a fairly laid back person. But um, part of that success, I think, has been come with just taking the opportunities as a come, mm. not really necessarily knowing where they were heading at that time, but knowing yeah. that it sounded like it was going to be interesting and um, you know, and that I, if it, if it wasn't for me, I could make that assessment once I was there. Mm. So I went and worked for um, what was my first really incredible female leader in HR um, mm. in a really great team at Halliburton at that time and ended up staying with them for around about five and a half years, I think, mm. in various roles um, up 
And at the same time, she said to me within about six months of me going into that position, they'd offered me permanency and she said, look, I think you'd make an amazing HR person, you know, if we mm-hmm. paid for your postgrad, would you do it? And I was like, oh, my God, I've just finished eight years of undergraduate. <laughs> but, you know, again, roll with the punches, it's going yep. somewhere. So, yes, yep. I did. So I did. A, I had my daughter and I had a couple of years of postgrad study there doing my um, my grad diploma in um, human resources management. Yeah. Um, after I left human resources, I went into a senior business partnering role um, with a uh, IT company. Mm. Um, now they were interesting because their parent company was a large, well-known uh, telecommunications company in the East Coast, and they were a very small IT arm here. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the role itself, was the only HR business partner they had on this side of the country. Um, and they'd been having a lot of trouble with staff retention in South Australia in their offices. Yeah. So very quickly after showing them what I could do and them being quite happy with what I was doing here in WA, looking after their staff, they asked me to take on both states under my remit. So I did that and did a lot of travel um, as part of that position. I was going to SA, you know, every few months really, um, you know, touching base with my internal stakeholders, et cetera, and the rest I did here. Yeah, really enjoyed that role. Um, I think I try to look back on it about what it is about IT as an industry that I enjoyed. And I think it's mm. because there are shared services, you know, yeah. there are shared services yeah. like HR. They recognise the value of mm. those sort of partnering relationships and how they should work, um, which you don't necessarily always get if you're going into a, you know, a big mining company, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and certainly wasn't necessarily always my, my experiences of the other organisations I'd been in. Um, so moved on from there after about three years, that organisation was sold to Fujitsu as part of a transaction. I helped with that divestment opportunity, which was really great experience, and then did some contracting and then came along to the opportunity here at ATCO uh, in 2011. Yeah. Um, when I started with the business, we had a little project office in East Perth. Um, which was predominantly, you know, it was a handful of expats and a couple of of individuals um, that were working on the remit that was going to be establishing the new head office in Perth. Um, We had, you know, three power stations operating at that stage and the gas business was, was, did not belong to us at that point. And then within probably two or three months of me joining the business, the acquisition of, of the business, uh, the gas business and the gas division now as it exists had commenced, which, you know, was a bit of a flat panic for me because I'd never been through an acquisition before. I was still in sort of <laughs> senior HR business partner role. So I was really kind of, uh, I was a bit flappy about it probably at the time. I was a little bit panicked. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, amazing experience, like really, really amazing experience. And then since that time, I've gone through five different positions here at ATCO across various divisions of our business. Um, Each time I've done it, not always sure what the end game is. Um, And in some cases, you know, one instance I can think of where our managing director had asked me to go to a specific division to do some specific work and I was particularly unthrilled with the idea. (laughs) But but I have to admit that he knew better because it's resulted in the best best outcome Mm. in the end. And then I moved into this position um, uh, two years ago, nearly now, mm-hmm. April. 
Well, I love hearing about your career story and you're already nicely weaving into our next question, which is all around kind of tips to success because you said so many great things in there around sort of taking opportunities and not knowing where things will lead. And that's been exactly the same for me in my career. And I do love, I love your approach to everything. You're always kind of up for a challenge, Kylie. So that leads nicely into the next question. And you can mention some of those things again or have new things, but you are really successful. You have this awesome career working in quite a competitive and male-dominated industry. I would love to know some of your top tips to help other women create success and maybe especially in those more competitive or more male-dominated industries. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's the personal attributes that you have that you bring to a role and yeah. your attitude and et cetera, your skill set. Yeah. Um, and then there is the things that support you in being the person that you are, be it in your job or in your home life. I mean, yeah. the in in terms of that secondary piece, there's been a couple of really key themes for me. Mm. I've probably in my entire career only had one GM that I wouldn't work for again. Mm-hmm. The rest were all taught me something. All taught yeah. me something. Were in support. Were incredible. All incredibly supportive of me. Backed me to the hilt. Mm. Gave me the accountability and the rope to do what I needed to do and sort of test the boundaries. And yeah. when I fell over picked me up, said, it's not so bad. Come on, dust yourself off. That's you great. You yourself up more than you should, you know. Yeah. And all of those conversations that you struggle to have with yourself when you fail. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, my most recent GM, Amy Stanley, who's now People and Culture Exec GM at HBF, a, a amazing leader, mm. um, incredibly good friend to boot and um, continues to be a great mentor and person that I can lean on if I if mm. I need to. And there was, you know, many, many before her that were men and women who were just brilliant yeah. in terms of how they supported me. Yeah. The other key pieces for me is, um, you know, I, I work very hard. Mm. But I don't only work. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I have an incredibly supportive family. I have three children now in their 20s. Um, my husband from day dot knew that I wanted a career and I wanted to get to executive management and he yeah. was always supportive of that, even though mm. he's in a similar role himself. Um he always supported me going after the opportunities that I wanted to go after. He was always there as a sounding board when I wasn't mm. sure about things. Yeah. And even when I was had very young children, was having to travel extensively, we shared that remit equally. And that's just so important because if men can't support women, then women can't yeah. do what they need to do yeah. in terms of their careers either. So, yeah. you know, men have, men have got to be comfortable in, you know, supporting their wives um, the way that their wives have supported them over the yeah. decades. Oh, you know, in the way that our mothers supported our fathers, et cetera. Mm. I think that's other, another key piece for me in terms of my mindset for um, mm. continuing my career. It was never, even when I wasn't sure when I left school what I wanted to do, it was always, I always had a clear sense that it was a professional career in some sense yeah. and that I would do some sort of study. And because my, yeah. both my parents were that way inclined, my mm. dad was in sales and marketing, so that's probably why I fell in that direction originally. And yeah. my mum was a a career nurse, but she had the most varied, most incredible career. And she studied right up until she was 70 when she retired mm. um, and continued to study the entire time, starting from when I was in high school doing extensive um, specialisations in her area yeah. of um, profession. Yeah. So all of that made for the right environment for me mm. to be the person I am. Um, and then in terms of what you bring to a role and how you find your seat at the table for um, male-dominated industries. A part of it is 
having those relationships before you get into the senior role. Mm-hmm. So actually establishing those relationships and building them over time. Yeah. So, you know, the executive team have had, a number of them have had 10-year relationships with me before I went into this position and knew me as a strong business partner and a trusted SME mm-hmm. before before they considered me for the executive role. Yeah. Um, now, there's still that leap of faith that they, you know, <laughs> took, you know, um, with me applying for the position and whether they would go external. But it has been an amazing experience. And even then, you know, even after 10 years, I was still saying to myself, I don't think I'm ready, I don't think I'm ready, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> it was because of their support and others mm. saying, of course you are, put it in, what can happen, mm. you know, what's the worst? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, recognising recognizing your talents for what you know, and I do know HR, so I know that I'm strong in that area. Mm. The pieces that I didn't know, being comfortable to talk to others or rely on others to help you through that process. Mm. So I've got, you know, an executive team here who knew that I was coming new into the executive world, um, that I didn't have that exposure necessarily and the talents that they did because of the time that they'd spent, the longevity they'd have in dealing with the board, et cetera. And they have been nothing but supportive. So they are an ear. When I get, when I get, in, you know, stuck, um, or I've misstepped or something, they've mm. been there to provide me that advice and say, okay, so if we were thinking about this from a board perspective, this is what I was. This went through my head when you posed that problem to me. Um, so you know, just an incredible support system around us mm. and having that. You've got to be good at what you do. You can't. Yes, totally. You, know, agree. you can't be rubbish at what you do. You've got to invest in yourself and actually be good at doing it because otherwise, people won't have the confidence for you to continue in your career. Yeah. You said so many great things in there around, you know, having those supporters and like you said, personal support with your husband and family, but also in the workplace and building those strong relationships where people trust you um, and that you said you'd built over time, you know, before you even stepped into this really senior GM role. So I loved that. I like also earlier how you said, Kylie, around just like the importance of grabbing opportunities and how you said you didn't always know where things would lead. Can you tell me like a little bit more just about that and how important you think that is for people in the workplace? Because again, it is one of those things and some people have a a high tolerance or threshold if you like to taking chances and others and that's fine but just tell us a little bit more about why you think that's so important um I think it's partially my style Mm. um I'm I it's funny I'm a planner I've got to have a plan but I'm not great at doing that in my in my personal life from a from a career direction perspective Mm. and I think it's because I've considered myself lucky through my life (laughs) and that I've always fallen on my feet now I'm sure you know, you being a career coach, Shona, you can probably <laughs> analyse me in that respect and go, well, actually, here's all the very clever things that you did along the way to get yourself yeah, there. Absolutely. But to me, it feels like I've mm-hmm. I've opportunistically fallen on my feet and, and landed mm-hmm. where I needed to be at any given time. I, I, I'm, my core values are very aligned to the organisations yeah. and I know what feels right for me internally. And I think I trust mm. my internal compass pretty heavily. Yeah. If it doesn't feel quite right, you know, if it's if it's not ringing true for me, then I try to trust that these yeah. days. Um, and that makes that makes a huge difference to, you know, how I lead my life and how I direct my mm. career, et cetera. But it, if I had if I had not tempered that with some eagerness to listen to others and those yeah. trusted advisors so it has to be mm-hmm. the people that you trust in you know in your organization yeah. like I mentioned the MD who had sent me yeah. off to another division if I despite my concerns at that time if he hadn't been able to say to me Kylie you've worked with me long mm. enough to know I'm not going to send you into the lion's den 
Yeah. We're all going to be here to support you. Go yeah. and give it a go. Then I might not have, I might not have taken that. You've got to have people around you that, that lift you up, mm-hmm. definitely, as well yeah. as your own internal voice egging you on and trying to, you know, recognise where it really is just the anxiety talking rather than fact. You know, yeah. am I am I really not very good at this? Am I telling myself I don't think I can do this? I don't think I've got the skills. Well, could you learn the skills? How quickly could you learn the skills? What the What's the risk to the yeah. business if you... You know, if you're learning on the job as you go, is there somebody else that can support you, you can bounce these ideas off? So all of those sorts of things. Mm. You shared so many great things in there. One around that real self-awareness, like you said, of your own internal voice um, mm. and challenging yourself when you're having those doubtful thoughts. You know, is this real? Can I talk to someone I trust? Or is that just that fear that we all have when we do mm. something new, you know? And I love that you kept coming back to the importance of the supportive environment because that is mm. so key, you know, and having those people that have your back and allow you to take those those leaps. And that piece you said around feels like luck. And you and me have spoken about this before, but so many women, Kylie, senior women, and, you know, I talk about this and write about this for the whole imposter syndrome. So many women will feel like, oh, was I just sort of lucky? Was I just happened to be yeah. in the right place at the right time the right on many time. occasions? Exactly. And it's like, exactly. you know what? It's probably more than that, you know, because look at all these other great things that you did and all these other qualities and attributes. But I love everything you shared there. Now, linking in again to things you're already saying, because it feels like a part of your DNA now after working in this industry for a long time. But as the head of HR, I know you have to deal with loads and loads of change and loads and loads of uncertainty and things like that. Mm. You know, what would be some of your advice or what are some of your personal strategies for dealing with setbacks in your career, dealing with challenges, or even just around sort of resilience in general? Tell us a little bit about how you cope and what you would say to other women, because everyone listening to this is in the middle of this global pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was handed the global pandemic as my first to do <laughs> in this job. Literally, the week. Wow. I started the week that the pandemic really yeah. became a reality for Australia. Wow. Um, and apart from the fact that I was very new to this position and wasn't quite sure what it meant for me just yet, I was still trying to build a relationship with the managing director at this level. Mm. Um, and I mean, none. I was, I was like, oh my god, I've never been through this before. I don't know how to do this pandemic planning, mm. or you know, what we need to, where we even start to eat Yeah, how overwhelming! So huge, so mm. overwhelming. Exactly yeah. right. Um, but the interesting thing was that questioning the internal voice, nobody yep. had through been through. Yeah, global, there's know. no benchmark, not, right? Not too many around since you know the Spanish flu or the Black Plague. <laughs> or, you know, um, so the history's gone a little on that, mm. and. It took, it took a community, you know, mm. it took me engaging and networking with our head of general counsel, yeah. um, our legal team, you know, our HSE team, our leaders in the business, um, establishing what we were all concerned about. Um, and as an essential service and a critical business, you know, how do we keep this place running? You know, mm-hmm. meanwhile, trying to address the softer side. So, you know, people really scared and worried yes. about the kids going to school, which was all that early stuff right or coming back into the office now we took a very different approach to a lot of other organizations too in that we were out working from home for a very short period of time before we all came back in I think it was only a couple of months um and I think I'd put down to the success of that strategy because we we held firm in terms of what we decided we would do and we kept Mm. we kept an even keel on it so we decided as part of our early strategy that we would follow the government direction yeah, and if the government directed we were at, we were out, we were out. If we government directed, we should be in the office. If we could be, we were in because at that yeah. point they were trying to get people back into the office, etc. Mm. As well, and we've continued with that philosophy. Now, we have tried to learn as well. Yeah, 
So, you know, I did, um, we did develop some surveys which we sent out to our staff about how they found working from home, et cetera. And we're not traditionally a working from home business or certainly weren't up until that point. Um, but then since that time, just in the last few weeks, and it's taken some time for us to reach an agreement on what that looks like, but, you know, um, we now have a working from home um, position and people are starting to take that up. Um, you know, but there was more reasons than COVID that that made sense around, you know, female retention in a male-dominated organisation. Mm. You know, the flexibility impacts are always felt by the women before they're yep. felt by the men because women still do the the heavy lifting in that respect. Mm. So, you know, there's there definitely has been some challenges. COVID was by far the biggest of them. In terms of how... How do you personally cope? What do you tell yeah. yourself? Because you strike me as someone really resilient, Kylie. Tell um, me what your mindset is. Tell me what your strategy is. Resilient. Are. And I yeah. don't, um, I'm shocking at being regular with my exercise and good diet and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. But when things are really bad, I do remember to go back to that. I do remember to, remember to take time for myself. I do remember to go for a walk. Yeah. I took up golf last year as a regular. I love Saturday that when you told though. me. Yeah. So that's now my out completely free from, I don't think about work for the most of a Saturday because of that. It's my zone, exactly. Um, We've got a, my husband and I have a very active social life. We've got a good group of friends and and a number of my girlfriends are in in high-powered jobs, not all of them, but a number of them are. And so, you know, we can have a vent. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody takes it to mean anything, but we yeah. can vent about work and, you know, yeah. and um, support each other when it gets really tough. Mm. Um, and having a good network of HR people, including your team. So you've got a safe space. Yeah. From <laughs> the days where you really just need to let go. Yeah. You know, and not every day is going to be as productive as the next. You know, sometimes yeah. you cut yourself some slack and you're like, you know, today's a day for for cleanups and touching base with people and, you know, some key meetings. Um, yeah. But it isn't tackling that next big strategic problem. Just give mm. yourself a little bit of a brain break from some of that sometimes. You've got to be in the right headspace for those pieces of work. Yeah. You said so many great things in there, one around the importance of personal and professional relationships, which all the research shows, you know, when it comes to resilience, it's one of the biggest protective factors they talk Mm. about, having those people Mm. you can talk to. And like you said, people that you trust, people that won't judge you, that you can have a vent to, that you can talk about your fears and doubts with. You talked about self-care or and finding those things, those moments for you, it's golf, whatever it is for people listening in when it is just time to refuel their cup because as women, you know, often we, we give so much to everyone else, mm. we've got to take time for ourselves. And, and I like that you just said then about sort of self-compassion and sometimes it's just taking small steps, you know, in that moment mm. if you're having a big day or something big's happening. So you shared lots of great yeah. tips in there around resilience for everyone listening. Mm. So thank you for that. Now, you sort of alluded to this earlier as well. I know you've had you've had lots of great supporters and networks and mentors over the years. Is there like a standout piece of advice or just one great piece of advice you'd love to share with our listeners, something that you've received over the years? It could be a coach, a mentor, even just like a friend. What's a great piece of advice you think people listening could, you know, connect with? You know, it's funny. It's not, it's not, um, I've had plenty of, probably had plenty of good advice. You know, most, most of the advice that's been given to me over the years is being about too hard on myself you know so beating myself up Mm. so you know I can I can think about plenty of leaders that have said to me ah it's fine don't worry about it you know you're sweating Mm -hmm. small stuff just don't worry about and I've got much better now at that um that self-talk about you know yeah you're really aware of it to think about this right now you know going to bed with a million things in your mind and Mm. then thinking you know mindset give me sleep just leave let's park it till tomorrow that's a great one I reckon good mindset strategy yeah yep just put you know, park it till tomorrow, nothing's going to change overnight. 
yeah deal with it when you wake up type things yeah. but also you know uh, uh, some really good quotes I've always loved the be the change you want to see in the world I'm huge on that one because you yeah. know I just think you know society seems, seems to get less respectful and um, more intolerant and um, just generally more difficult to 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 live in and I, so many people now seem yeah. to be suffering with yeah with one challenge or another mm. I think that that to me um having one you know basic the good old uh, you know the polite principles that our parents yeah embedded in us as totally agree (laughs) yeah you know those sorts of things um and remembering those and you know and even when somebody isn't being respectful to you ensuring that you remain respectful in your response I think that's always a a, it's a bigger reflection on them than it is in you in those circumstances but also you know the other one that I've always um, really liked is a Martin Luther King one I think around you know you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first love that as well so you know that's pretty that pretty well aligns with how I approach my life. I don't don't always know where it's going. I don't think any of us really know where it's going. Mm. But just take a step, take two, meet the challenge head on, see where it goes. I love that. I love that sense, like you said, of you have goals, but you're quite flexible in them and you're ready to adapt and adjust as you go. And mm. I think that's so important for all of us, right? Mm. Now, one of the things you and I have obviously connected over is our passion around gender equality and supporting women in leadership. Tell us a little bit about ATCO's commitment around gender equality and some of the work you do in this space. So um, we are, you know, a male-dominated yeah. industry, as we talked about, and not just yeah. here but globally we're a male-dominated yeah. industry. Um, sure. ATCO has made a real commitment in the last probably two years. So, you know, others would have been doing a lot more a lot sooner, I'm sure. But in the last few years we've really looked at this pretty solidly and started to engage and invest in what we do around diversity in our organisation. Probably the earliest touch points for us were around responses to employee engagement survey um, yep. some years ago, which basically said, you know, you, you kind of know where partially um, and you probably need to be doing something here and we want to see our organisation more active in these areas. So yep. that gave us a bit of a kick in the pants in Australia to start really looking at what we could do in the diversity space. Yep. Since that time, um, we've predominantly looked at Indigenous um, engagement, community engagement, which is a core part of the ATCO ethos anyway, and certainly Canada is very far along in terms of their Indigenous relationships and community engagement. But we have things here that are, are you know, long-standing part of our, our values um, and programs here like um, EPIC, which is employees participating in the community, so we provide our employees with um, time to go and volunteer um, paid time to go and volunteer. They get lots of fundraising opportunities through the year. Our Indigenous engagement, you know, we've got a reconciliation action plan, which has been very active for the past three or so years. And and really now we've started down the path of looking at disability and gender equity and some yeah. other items. Um, yeah. So our most recent, every November, we celebrate Diversity Inclusion Month. This year yeah, we did inclusion awesome. with a number of activities around the business competitions running on ideas yeah. about how we could be more inclusive as a business. Great. Um, you know, we run obviously in unconscious bias training and we're educating our leaders about how important it is to present a level playing field if you're wanting diverse candidates to really come to the table and be considered for our opportunities going forward. And we've made some good steps in getting the female representation in our business up. Um, we are still facing the challenges or did until the very recent introduction of the working from home policy, and I'm hoping it'll change it. We did. We're still facing some challenges around retention of women in our business. Yeah. Um, but 
in the last few weeks, uh, we've created a diversity inclusion strategy, which I'll be rolling out in the next little while. Um, and that will really present some of the, um, the key components of our philosophy and strategy to build on in the next year or so. And that's built around um, a future focus for DNI. So we've got the primary principles of um, DNI being considered an pro a proactive component of our modern workplace. We're removing bar barriers, recognising bias, celebrating our differences, measuring our progress inherent to how we run our business, yeah. engaging our employees and encompassing their diverse views in our planning and strategy, and our collective goal being to strive for and to maintain the highest standard across our business every day. So. Yeah, it's it's what we all want in terms of diversity, inclusion, inclusion and equity. We want it to be a non-topic. We don't we yeah. shouldn't have to yeah. talk about it. It should be the way yeah. we do business every day. So yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. Love that. I'm asking all my guests this season, Kylie, is there a favorite song? Have you got a song when the going Aww. gets tough? I'm really big on music. You know, I used to be a dancer. Is there anything when you're just feeling down, anything that's inspirational? Or if not, oh just another sort of another quote that you want to I'm leave a, people with I'm when the going absolute, gets tough? The music one's a great one. I'm an 80s tragic. Oh, I love that you said this. I thought you were going to say you didn't have one. I'm an 80s no, tragic as well. So, so my husband knows, my husband knows that if I'm in a bad mood, he just puts on the 80s playlist in the morning. I love this. And plays it. And, it, and I start. Can't help myself. What's on the really list, Kylie? Tell me, tell happy. me one or two on well, the list. Do you know the one that came out? I watched the other day. Um, this is more seventies than it is eighties, of yeah. course. But close. I enough. love the seventies as well. Um, I watched. Did you? I've watched the Bee Gees documentary recently. I haven't, but I love their music. So <laughs> interesting, and I love how deep is your love. I love. Uh, that song. I used to do rumbas to that love when I was a ballroom dancer. <laughs> so there you go, Kylie. You're taking me back. Probably more my parents' oh. era than mine, but I do oh, love, I love that it. song. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that because I'm actually starting a playlist that's going along with my book and stuff, mm. which I'll announce more later, um, which you obviously know about. I'll do a big post on that later. But look, thank you so much for making the time to talk with me today. You've shared so many uh, great tips and practical ideas to help other people build a successful and fulfilling career on their own terms. So thank you so much for making the time. Really looking forward to staying in touch and working with you in the future. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Psychology of Successful Women podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button or go to psychologyofsuccessfulwomen.com to download our free ebook and access a bunch of other resources. See you on the next episode.